turning to it. It's in the book of Luke of Hebrews, eleventh chapter. He's got going to teach on living by faith this morning. <clears throat> now faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. I think I'll stop here for just one second and say something you normally wouldn't hear. That if you cannot understand the third verse of this chapter fully, you might as well forget the rest of serving God. Amen. It's more than just being baptized in Jesus' name and being filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And uh, then I want to go on down. I would like to start with the seventh verse. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, Move with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. And Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city who had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Thirteenth verse, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. That is something to think about. We read a lot of the Bible and we just don't never comprehend. Now, when I finish off the chapter, I see in the 34th verse, they quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness, were made strong, Wax valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the alien. The women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed asunder were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not even worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains, 
in dens and caves of the earth. These all obtain a good report through faith, receive not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Praise God. I want us to ask God to bless this Bible lesson this morning and minister to you this morning. Praise God. Jesus Christ, we praise you, Lord. We know, Lord, that you, oh God, are in our midst right now. We feel you, Lord, already ministering to the people. We ask you, Lord, somehow to cause them to be alert this morning and cast the spirit of sleep off of them. Lord, let the awareness of thy spirit, O oh God, draw them to the places, Lord, we're in. O oh God, you're going to have us to walk, that we might be found faithful even unto the end. In the name of Jesus Christ, we praise you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And you may be seated. There are a lot of folks that are called to serve God, but the Bible said not everyone is chosen. And we see a lot of folks that come and get baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, but they don't stay. And the, tr the simple part of that is they were not chosen. We see some that walk with God for a while and fall out. It is the same thing. They are not chosen. To be chosen, you must be found faithful. Praise God. Not faithful for a season, not faithful for a while, but faithful to the end. Praise God. Paul said to one group, you did run well, what hindered you? Amen. And he said the prize goes to him, not to him that runneth but to him that finishes. Praise God. When you got in this, <clears throat> I got in it to be saved. And to be saved, you got to finish. And if you finish, you'll be found faithful. Praise God. Amen. And I said, if you finish, because <clears throat> I'm convinced the more that I walk with God, at any time, you can say I'm through. If your attitude's not right, <clears throat> if your perspective's not right, if your vision's not right, you're going to throw it down. And you're going to say, I've had it. I've had enough of it. Amen. But if your attitude's right, <clears throat> you can say, I can take it. 
And not only can you say, I can take it, but you can say, whatever the will of God is, Lord, let me do thy will. Praise God. Praise God. <clears throat> it is a fact that the Lord is breaking our wills. All the time we're serving Him. All the time we're serving Him. I've got a lot of things to go through before I get to your age, Sister Keller. I might say I've got a lot of this battle won, but the battle is never won until the victory is there. Praise God. It's all over with, then the battle is won. Hallelujah. And what are you saying, Brother Elder? The longer that the Lord lets you live, the more you've got to win. And the only way you're going to win is because you have faith God is going to take you through. And you have faith in God that He'll never put more on you than you can take. A lot of folks say, well, I can't take any more. But you can. You just don't want to. Praise God. Amen. Because God never put anything on us we couldn't take. Hallelujah. And He won't let no more be put on us than we can take. Amen. He said that, and I believe Him. I believe the Word of God this morning. And so you don't have more on you you can take. When you get to the point of where you don't feel like you can take any more is when you must fall upon your face and say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Teach me thy ways, O God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I'm going to work on one man's life this morning. I could teach this this morning as the making of an apostle or of a disciple. But I'm going to work on this this morning as in building your faith. Praise God. In building your faith. God has always been good to us. And in our early Christian experience... We experience something marvelous with the Lord that establishes and uh, lets us know that He really is God. Many of you found that out as soon as you started living for God. Praise God. He did something great for you. You might have been praying and He sent you a $50 check in the mail. You might have been praying and He... Uh, <clears throat> heal one of your children you might have been praying and he healed you right off the bat he established the fact that he was God and you could put your confidence and trust in him and as soon as you got all excited about it you ran into a snag and had some failures praise God hallelujah and there is a reason why that we have some failures in our lives. God is trying to teach us it's Him. Praise God. And whenever we think we can do it, He'll bring us back again and again. It's Him. 
Praise God. Praise God. And how will he bring us to the fact that it's him is because of our failures. Praise God. In Luke the 8th chapter and the 22nd verse, the Lord begins to teach his disciples some things. And if the disciples would have been a group of men like you run across today on too many occasions, they would have laughed at Jesus after a few times and said, Look, bud, you go mess with somebody else. I'm tired of you messing with me. Praise God. But he was wise being God manifested in the flesh. And the Bible said he chose him out, 12 men. He chose 12 men that could take beyond that which is of the average person. He chose him out, 12 men that he would make to build the most powerful church that ever walked upon the face of the earth. Praise God. Amen. He did not pick just ordinary men, but he picked beyond the ordinary. But it makes no difference this morning how much ordinary or beyond the ordinary. When you run into God, you're always stricken with such great awe. And when you run into God, you are made to feel how big you are and how little you are and when you really run into God you're made to know that you're nobody without him praise God so the Lord was beginning to teach these beyond ordinary men this morning something and in the 22nd verse of the 17th chapter in the 15th verse no, I'm in Luke, the 8th chapter, and the 22nd verse. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. Many times when we get into trials, and we get into hardships, and we get into trying times we feel like we completely disobeyed God and we didn't do anything he told us to do which might be you are doing exactly what he told you to do these fellas if you'll pay attention got in some very difficult times doing exactly what he told them to do. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. If I was God riding in a boat, I wouldn't be worried either. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. Sister Elder and I were there, and they showed us 
the funnel. They call them the wind funnels. They're huge mountains with a big slice down through them. How many of you ever traveled in the mountains much? How many of you know that in the mountains there can be wind passes that are very dangerous? And they call this the funnel. The funnel will sweep down upon the Sea of Galilee and they say in 15 minutes the waves can be rolling five to seven feet high. And the kind of little ship we're now five to seven foot wave to a US aircraft carrier would just be a good day out on the sea. You US aircraft carriers don't get excited until the waves get 20 and 30 feet high. They can run them pretty good, it'd surprise you. But the kind of ship the Bible's talking about is what we call a large sailboat out on Lake Cheney. And when you get in five and seven foot waves with one of them, <clears throat> it's exciting. Praise God. Now, they came to him and they woke him up and they said, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they ceased and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Did I not tell you to go to the other side? Was I not in the boat with you? If I told you to go to the other side, and I was in the boat with you, what made you think you wouldn't make it? Now there are, there are just natural men, humans, and it said they were afraid, wondering, saying one to another, what manner man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. These might be beyond ordinary men that he's chose, but now it's time to go to Sunday school. It's time to learn something. That <clears throat> you're not running around with just another fella here on earth. Now when I tell you something, I mean it. And if I have to rebuke the winds and the waves to prove to you I'm God, I will. And when I say do something, you have no fear. Why? Because I'm here. Why? Because I said to. And we must first of all learn that we are not doing this within ourselves when God tells us to do it. It is always in the mind of man that when God tells him to do something, 
he gets out there and gets to doing it and he forgot who told him to do it then he gets afraid and other folks start laughing at him and start mocking at him and saying it won't work and if God told you to do it it will not be like man wants you to do it and so man is going to tell you it won't work this crazy Moses here he stands with a stick held out over the water and Pharaoh's going to kill us off what's that dummy standing up there with a stick out over the water for don't he know we need to regroup soldiers back here at the back and get ready to battle but God said hold your magic wand out over the sea and he blinded those Egyptians he throwed them in the dark they couldn't even find the children of Israel and he caused the wind to blow all night long while he had those Egyptians groping around trying to locate them and open up a passage and they went right on over and when he got through with it he got rid of that king that could never stick with a promise over ten hours we don't see always the end of the thing but when the Lord says do it we do it and so what is the object lesson brother elder of this little lesson with his disciples it's a fact is he's teaching them when I'm with you you don't have anything to fear he's teaching them when I say do it do it praise God I believe this morning that as Christians every one of us should have a vision I'm going to say it again I know you didn't get it I said every one of us should have a vision every one of us should have a purpose in serving God if you're just serving God coming to church that's why your life is so empty you've got to pick out a reason why you're serving God you're serving God that you might cause another to serve God amen and if you lose that vision your life becomes listless and directionless hallelujah how many of you believe that God caused you to be saved that you might cause another to be saved praise God and it doesn't make any difference how hard you tried not done it and have not succeeded it does make a difference though when you haven't succeeded you gave up and don't care anymore amen praise God praise God the Lord wants us to continue to try to continue to do now, what are you saying, Brother Elder? I'm going to work on this first of all. We learn by our failures. 
And we learn through trial and error. I had a young man in my home the other night. I gave him a lot of good counsel. But I'll guarantee you he'll mess up. Say, why do you say that, Brother Elder? Because we all do. I said, we all do. Praise God. We're prone to some kind of error. I went over to Sister Carricker's house yesterday and worked again. Her ceiling's getting wet again. Somebody in the church that, boy, bothers me, you know. Their house is leaking. I've roofed, I don't know how many houses, and their house ain't leaking. But Sister Carricker's is. Tore it off in the rain yesterday to try to stop the thing and get it working right. What happened, Brother Elder? I don't know. Somebody done something wrong. That's why it's leaking. Praise God. I don't know whether it was me. Told the wife, I said, I might have cut the valley too high, which gives the rain too much pressure to run at it. Amen. You see, every one of us, no matter how good we get, we're prone to error. We're prone to failure. Amen. Praise God. And so the Lord knows that we're going to learn through our failures. Praise God. Now the guy that says, well, it seems like everything I do is wrong. I'm, I'm tired of it. You didn't fit into this army. You see, you're not chosen. You got to be beyond the average. There's some that says it's you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And they say it's H if you do and H if you don't. You can't have that kind of attitude and and be what God wants you to be. You got to get your attitude changed. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You see, we're with the world every day. You know what the world tells you? The world tells you seeing is believing. But the Bible said believing without seeing is what causes the results. The world is exactly the opposite of God. And in the world, you are damned if you do and damned if you don't. I worked in aircraft and was an inspector in aircraft and was a technician in aircraft. And Tom can tell you when you work at beach, you just might as well expect to get chewed out no matter how good you do your work. They chew you out for doing good and chew you out for doing bad. So you, after a while you just learn you're just going to get chewed out, so just go to work. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. But God's a greater God than that to us. Amen. There's times He wraps His arms around us. I don't know how many of you have had Him to wrap His arms around you, but I have. Hallelujah. How many of you are glad for those times? Praise God. 
And so we must not, when we have a failure, throw it down and have a fit. But when we have a failure, we need to say, Hey, Lord, what are you preparing me for in the morning? Show me what you're doing in my life. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever prayed, Lord, cause me to be like you. I don't know how many of you have ever prayed and said, God, I want you to change me to be like you. Now, whether you know that or not, that's difficult. Especially when he starts changing you. I've been changing the color of my house in my mind. I've seen a, a pretty color in the factory about a year or two ago, and I thought, man, I'm going to paint my house that color when I get ready to paint it. And then the other day I got the bright idea, maybe I ought to trim it in dark blue instead of white. And I've been fighting it around in my mind. And this morning I said, no, I'm going to trim it in white. I know what it'll come out to be. What are you doing, Brother Elder? I'm changing some things that I've got to live with. Do you know that after I paint that thing, if I don't like it, it's going to stay that way? Because I can't run down by 15 gallons of paint every day. Hallelujah. Changing. Changing doesn't come easy. Changing you work on in your soul. Changing you work on in your spirit. Changing you work on with your mental part of your innermost being until somehow or another you've got to come around till you can accept the change that's taking place in you. You know, I see these young skinny men in this church. Think about the way I used to be young and skinny and good looking like Brother Butch. Praise God. Hallelujah. Handsome like O'Brien over there. Praise God. I don't know what happens over the years, but there's changes made. Whether you like them or you don't like them. I got up and looked in the mirror this morning. I thought to myself, it's a miracle that thing hangs there. It should fall off the wall. Ugliest looking mess you ever seen looking in the mirror. Praise God. Hallelujah. Changes over the years. You don't always like the changes. I wonder how many of you want God to make you what you ought to be. Praise God. So in this lesson, the Lord is teaching them that... Uh, He's with them. And when he tells them to do something, that's what he means. In Matthew, the 17th chapter, the 15th verse through the 18th verse, there was a man that come to Jesus and he said, Lord, 
Have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic. The first thing our reaction is today is to get away from a lunatic. Hello? We don't like to be found with people that's crazy, do we? Do you? How many of you out there like to be found running around with somebody that's crazy? I don't. I'm, I'm sorry, to, but I just don't. And there are some in this city that's crazy. There's one that's called my wife several times in the last two weeks. It's just as dingy as can be. She's she been calling you too, Sister Kelly. <laughs> she called run Sister Character too. And my wife, the little thing, <laughs> you too, huh? <laughs> and, uh, and my wife is so patient and gentle and kind. And I told my wife the other day, I said, why don't you tell that dingbat to go see her pastor for all that? I told her, I don't know why you mess around with her. No. Praise God. But <clears throat> Jesus had time for this guy and this goofy son of his. Sometimes we get ourselves in positions whether the flesh likes or not, the Lord wants us there. Amen. Hallelujah. How could we see some miracles happen if we don't get in some places that's uncomfortable? Amen. Now the guy knew that his son was a lunatic and he said he's vexed with devils. For all times he falls in the fire and off time in the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't cure him. They could not do anything with him. Well, Jesus seems to have a temper. You know, the more I study about the Lord, the more I know that the Lord Jesus Christ had a temper. I don't ever see him cussing very many folks out, but he gets upset at the fact that man cannot take his word as God and use it. Hallelujah. And he answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? And how long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Now the disciples, they come to Jesus when he was all by himself, and said, How's come we couldn't do that? If you ever get into casting out devils like Brother Carriker and I have, I would like to tell you that every time I've called Brother Carriker to help me cast out devils and he's helped me more than any man in this church. You say, why do you just call him? You better call certain people when you go casting out devils. I'm not going to call some of you in here to learn an experience. When you go to casting out devils, you don't play games. And I would like to tell you that every time we went to cast devils out of somebody, it was always a story of success. But it's not true. 
I remember I was a goofy guy, just as goofy as it come. Called me up. <clears throat> somebody in this church had probably witnessed to him, or somebody, and they'd told him. And he called me up and uh, called me over to his house, and he was sitting in a swing like thing in his backyard in a tree. He was a young feller, about you, the age of you young men on the front pew. And uh, he told me, he said, I think I got devils in me. And he talked for a little while. He didn't have to talk too long before I knew he did. Praise God. He said, I want to know if you can help me, if you can uh, get these things out of me. I said, I'll come and get you to see me. We'll see what happens. So I went and got him, took him down to the old church, and talked to him for a while. And he said that he'd live for God, and he said he'd get baptized, and he said he'd uh, get the Holy Ghost and the things. Ain't no use casting devils on anybody that don't want to live for God. The Bible said that the devil come back, finds the house empty. It's going to be worse than it was. And uh, so I began praying with him by myself for a while. And I realized I was going to need some help. I was getting weak. I've been praying with him for quite a while. So I called Brother Carricker over. And Brother Carricker came and we prayed. And uh, I had the first experience then. Never had experienced anything like that. And I thought the guy was putting me on until I talked to some other preachers and they said they've had the same experience. But he said, I can feel that spirit. It gets out of my arms and moves down in my feet. And of course, you know, Brother Kirk and I both were young. I mean, you know, this has been 15 years ago or so. And uh, <clears throat> so we started chasing that devil around in him. And after a while, I said, man, this don't even make sense. I never did read in the Bible about chasing the devil around. I always read about casting him out, but not chasing him around and around. From one side to the other side. You know. So I went for some more reinforcement. <clears throat> An old man that had more faith than any old man I ever pastored. So I called old brother Unreal. Said, uh, need you come down here and help me out. What's going on, brother Elder? I said, I got a devil down here and I ain't been able to cast him out. Bless God, I'll be right down there. We'll get him. And uh, he got down there, and we still wound up chasing him around and around. <clears throat> and uh, I got to praying over in the corner while Brother Character and Brother Unruh chased him a while. And I said, now, God, you got to teach me something here. I said, I've read in the Bible about casting them out, but I never 
heard anything about chasing them around like this uh, you're gonna have to tell me what's going on here see I was just trying to cast them out I wasn't asking God anything and uh, God told me he's a deceiver and said he doesn't intend to live for me and until he intends to turn to me and fully serve me I'm not going to cleanse his temple so I walked over and told him what God said he jumped up on his feet and looked me square in the eyes and he said that's right walked out and I've never seen him since last time I knew them devils was running around inside of him old brother Unruh he didn't know what to think of that <clears throat> praise God of course all three of us didn't know what to think of that but I'd like to tell you that everything's been a success story but it hasn't been and I'm going to tell you something before you go casting devils out of people you better make sure they want them out praise God or if it's a child the parents want it out I don't think that a devil can stay in a child if the parents have made up their mind they want it out of there and they're going to live for God and raise that child right you can take dominion over the spirits of that child praise God and the Lord Jesus Christ <clears throat> He told him, said, you just don't have the faith. Now, there is a difference between experimenting and believing. I'm going to try this out in the name of Jesus. That's not what he said. He didn't say you try it out. He said, you do it at my word. I prayed for some of you folks this week and the devil come to me and said you don't have any power over this sickness I said no but he does he took a whipping over now by them stripes you are healed hallelujah hallelujah praise God <laughs> We, uh, we ought not try doing things within ourselves. It's a great failure, a great disappointment. Amen. But if we realize that through Christ Jesus, we're more than conquerors. Hallelujah. Amen. And they came to Jesus. He said, now, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, and he, he went to working on them. Now, there's something right here that we must pay attention to. In this moment, you can look at this as chastisement. You can look at this as a rebuke. And you can say, huh, I was out there doing something because he wanted me to and I was trying. And there are times that we tell ourselves that we believed when we know we didn't believe. If we really get down and search ourselves and are honest. 
Amen. Amen. Praise God. And in that moment of failure, we can say, well, so, uh, or else, somehow or another, we can be like the disciples of the Lord and take the teaching and say, well, okay, <laughs> whatever you say, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it and do it and do it until I can do it. Did you ever notice that your first day on the job is always the worst? Why? Because you don't know what you're doing. And it's always fun to watch everybody snickering at you. Because they know what they're doing. But you're standing there learning what you're doing. But you don't quit and walk off the job the first day, surely, because you don't know what you're doing. And honey, if a thousand years is one day with God, there's no sense in quitting on the first day on the job. Hallelujah. Us poor little earthlings have got a lot to learn to catch on to what a God is doing. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. You're not going to learn all about God in a few days and in a few weeks. And if you think you can, you, you think more highly of yourself than you ought. It's no wonder you've got problems. Amen. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care. It, Brother Mango said, did you know that uh, so-and-so had an IQ of 210? I said, yeah, you know what that is? And he said, what? I said, that's a blooming idiot. Said, oh, yeah, no, man. yeah, I knew one of them. I ran around with him. He had the highest IQ on the Schilling Air Force Base. He was higher IQ than any. figure out how to put enough money in the bank to buy a car so he rode a bicycle everywhere he went hallelujah I don't care how smart you are you're not impressing me with that when it comes to serving God you're going to learn like all the rest of us You're going to learn by trial and error. And when you fail, it don't mean you're a failure. It just means you got to learn right. Hallelujah. Come on. Said, I'm not praying like I used to. Then get back to doing what you used to do. If you owned a shoe store and you were selling shoes and all of a sudden the sales went down, you'd be smart to go back and see what you was doing two or three years ago when you were selling so many and start doing that again. It's the same way in serving God. 
whatever you was doing that was doing good and doing right, do it again. Whenever you're doing something that's working, do it, do it, do it. Oh, I get tired of doing it. That's your problem. That's your problem. Don't get weary in your well doing. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, Jesus speaking to him, and so what is the lesson here? He is just simply telling them that you cannot mentally accent to this, that you cannot just experiment with this. You can't just go out because I told you to do it and try it and see if it'll work, but you've got to go out and do it because you believe in me. And you believe when I speak that it's the work of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, in St. John 21, 15 through 19, I'm going to pull mostly off of the disciples and go to one disciple. One of the greatest disciples that ever was. Jesus said in St. John 21 and 15, So then when they had died, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And I don't know if you have ever had God to say that to you or not, but you need to have him say it to you. A lot of you missed that. There seems to be other things going on. But you need to hear what I said anyhow. If the Lord hasn't said to you, Lovest thou me more than these, you need for him to say that to you. If he has said it to you, you need to start paying attention to what he's driving at. How many of you want your life to be filled and full? And he looked at Peter and he said, Lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. There's one thing Peter had when he was talking to God here. He had divine revelation that Jesus was God. He'd already told him, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He knew who he was now. He'd been with him for a long time. He'd seen him tell the wind shut up. He'd seen him tell the waves to settle down. He'd seen him tell the dead boy, get up, your mama's too heartbroken for you to be dead. He'd seen him cast the devils out, go into the hogs, and the hogs run over the cliffs and kill themselves. He'd been with him so long now, he said, <laughs> Ain't no use you fooling me. You know everything. I know who you are. And uh, you know I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, feed my sheep. 
I have reminded folks in this church sometimes of their failures and they have despised me for reminding them of their failures. Let me tell you something. If you cannot look back upon your failures, you can't build nothing to the future. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing to Peter right now. He said, I'm going to make you so strong that the things that's ahead of you can't tear you down. So he said to him the third time. Why three? Remember the day you stood up so cocky, Peter, in front of everybody and said, I ain't going to deny you. I'll never quit serving you. I just shudder all over sometimes when some of these folks walk up to me and say, I don't never intend to backslide. I'm going to serve God forever. Ain't nothing can run me off. You are so young in the Lord. I love that zeal you have, but I'm scared of your knowledge because, friend, when the devil throws the whole nine yards at you, we're going to find out how much fire you got in your soul. And the most scariest kind is not that that just comes sweeping at somebody, but it's to see them that's drifting away gradually. Gradually drifting away. Tearing down the things that took them years to build up. They're now gradually tearing them down. One of these days they wake up, they don't have any foundation anymore, no hope, nothing to stand on. Amen. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Lovest thou me? And the Bible said that he was hurt because he said it the third time. Amen. He was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said to him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. You know me inside. You know me. You know my thoughts. You know my up." raising. You know my downfallings. You know me inside and out, God. But the Lord Jesus Christ said, yeah, I know you, but I'm not finished with you. I'm going to make you what I want you to be. You sure you still want the Lord to make you what he wants you to be? Hallelujah. Now, Jesus didn't only tell him this. He said, feed my sheep. But then he turned around and he prophesied his death. Verily, verily, I say unto thee that thou shalt go up in the rapture and experience great things and shall live happily ever after. I'll tell you some of the wisest things I ever heard said come out of the mouth of black preachers. <clears throat> I'm moving my arms and things the other day and I don't know why they don't move like they used to. And all of a sudden this very verse hit me. 
just like I'm fixing to read it to you. Amen. I heard an old black preacher say one time, you better be soft, you better be kind, and you better be sweet to people. Because at the end of the road, you don't know whose hands you're going to be in. Say, well, I don't you wind up out there in an old folks' home. You better hope your enemies don't take care of you in your last days. Hello. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself. You see, he said unto Peter, all this zeal, all this confidence, all this strength you have, it's great. But Peter, there's a time coming. You're going to have to live by faith. You're going to have to live because of your hope in me. There's a time coming when you're not going to be able to gird up yourself and another man is going to lead you where you don't want to go. They led him where he didn't want to go. They led him to the cross to hang him upside down. Jesus Christ didn't say, um, you're going to have great revival. He didn't say, you're going to have thousands saved. He didn't say you're going to be thought of as the greatest apostle among all 12 of them. He just simply said, feed my sheep. He just simply said, feed my lambs. He just simply said, feed my sheep. But when we begin to build in our spirits in the hope of Christ, we become something that other men think are great. I want to say something here. If God starts using you and you get that great attitude, you're going to be an outcast, even among us. One of the finest preachers that could do some of the greatest things today, when you mention his name in the UPC, UPC preachers will turn around and walk away from you most of the time. That's Mark Hamby. But there was a time that Mark Hamby would move someplace like over to Brother C.W. Shoe's house and pray all night. And after a man had went from 200 and some pounds down to 140 pounds because leukemia was killing him. And overnight he got up and told Brother Pew, get up, leukemia is done, it's gone. Brother Pew got out of the bed, gained his 200 and some pounds back and preached for 10 more years. 
and miracle after miracle after miracle and prophecies. One night four boys was carrying on in the church trying to disturb the service. Four Pentecostal boys trying to wreck the church of God. Brother Mark Camry was preaching in the spirit and he looked at them four Pentecostal boys and he said, you'll be dead before you get home tonight. And they all sneered and laughed and got up and walked out of the church and got in their car and drove three blocks and got killed in an intersection. But you see, when God starts working on you and moving on you like that, you got to stay with God. You got to stay with God. You got to stay with God. This is not me. This is God. And that's hard because the devil builds you up. People will literally flock at your feet like you're Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And so the Lord just told his disciples, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Praise God. But when you get to the third chapter of the book of Acts, you're not reading about Peter failing now. Sunday school's over. Bible school's finished. And now we're out in the field laboring for Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. And when you get to the third chapter of Acts, it said, Peter and John, it is good for you young men on this front row. It is good for any of you men or any of you women in here to come in here by pairs or three or four at a time and lay around these altars and pray together and strengthen one another and encourage one another to go back into the field to labor like they did in the book of Acts. If you notice they traveled, Jesus or somebody, I don't remember where I read it at in the Bible, said one can win a thousand and two can win ten thousand. Now that's pretty good addition anyway you add it up. If one wins a thousand and two can win ten thousand, that's flat multiplying in a hurry. Amen. And so you see the strength in togetherness. I like what Brother Grubb said about the men introvertedness. This, the worst thing I've seen around this part of the country is the introvertedness of men. You need to come out of that mess. You need to buddy up with some fellas in the church and go out and do the work of God. I said, and go out and do the work of God. I didn't say go out and overhaul cars together. I said, go out and do the work of God. Amen. Come out of your introverted, secluded. You don't, you're not going to live for God if you stay away from the fellowship of the church. You're going to be a gossiper. You're going to be a troublemaker. You're going to be a, a person running around with hurt feelings all the time. You know why? Because you're out of communication. Amen. I said you're out of communication. You're not communicating with the church. Amen. Two heads are better than one. 
Amen. Read it in the Bible. When Jonathan went to kill a thousand, he didn't go by himself. He took his armor bearer. Hallelujah. Come on. Praise God. Praise God. Peter and John went up together. There's something about strength when we go together. Sometimes I come and get Brother Grubbs. Sometimes I come and get one of the men in the church and we go out and pray for somebody sick together. There's strength in it together. Amen. I've got Brother Mango before and some others around here. Praise God. Somebody says, well, I'm not a preacher. What's he taking me for? It doesn't say you have to be a preacher. It just says you got to be a believer. How many of you are believers? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. So they went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. You know why this miracle happened? They was going to pray. I'm going to say something here that might help some of you. If you're really praying and if you're really on fire for God, I believe that the Lord will put something in your way that will vex your spirit. Do you know that God causes things to happen? And I don't believe that Peter and James and John went up to the temple to pray and this dude was standing out there with a cup and just this happened. I believe that Peter, James, or Peter and John have been going by this dude holding out this cup for several times wanting a shekel And I don't know about you, when I come out of these stores, and here's this guy holding a cup, I almost feel like I'm obligated to put something in it. And if you don't put something in it, they say, well, that rotten dude, he don't care even about humanity, you know. I come out of Dillon's the other day, and there's a black man there, and he had something there, a cup, and he was holding it for sickle cell disease. I put something in it, and then I wondered uh, if he'd ever get it down to wherever it was supposed to go, or if I was buying him a new Cadillac. But I put something in it because too many folks knows that's preacher elder. They'd say he don't even care about sickle cell disease. You know? Amen. And I can see Peter and John walking by this guy. And they must have been pretty poor because old Peter said he didn't have any silver or gold. And if you know, back over in that country, that's what counts is silver and gold. They don't fool around with copper. Well, they might now. I don't know. I heard they was going to do something over there. But silver and gold is what they mess with over there pure silver, pure gold. That's the reason why it's hard to preach gold off of those women over there because that's their whole bank account. They don't have a bank account downtown. Their bank account's on their arms and their fingers. 
Amen. Praise God. And so they're walking by there and you know they're looking at Peter and John not putting a plug nickel in there. And they're going into the temple to pray. And here they come and there's this guy has got this cup out there again every day. Isn't it amazing that he's got that cup out there right on the way to the prayer meeting? Like I said, God causes things to happen. And he caused Peter and John to be vexed in their spirit. And when they walked up there, they wasn't thinking about what they was going to say. They already had fixed in their hearts and mind what they was going to do. They walked up there and said, we don't have any silver and gold, but we'll give you something better than that. And they happened to find a beggar that didn't like being a beggar. That helped too, you know. You can't heal a beggar. There was an old. There's an old guy in this city. He's a demon possessed mess. And I walked in. He and it's amazing. I see him. I don't know. Maybe I'm preaching my own self. Maybe the Lord just wanted me to cast him devils out of him. I went out the fairgrounds this last week and he's sitting over in a corner in a, one of those buildings. How you doing, Carl Elder? I turned around. Did you see him? I ran across him five times in the last two or three months. I was going to cast devils out of him years ago but he didn't want them out. Amen. But he knows me. <laughs> I've done forgot his name, but he's not forgot mine. Amen. Hallelujah. Some of these devils around here need cured. Say why, brother, so we can have revival and turn this city upside down. Amen. Oh, God caused me to get vexed over one of them that wants deliverance. That old beggar, he wanted to be. He didn't like being a beggar. It's hard <laughs> to take a living away from a feller that likes it. This one guy's all crippled up and all this stuff. Come to our church over there on 4th Street. And he wanted to sing. He wanted to sing for Jesus. And I was a young pastor, so I didn't get up and sing for Jesus. And he couldn't carry a tune in the What he wanted was the offering for his singing. Amen. After church, I said, man, why don't you let me pray for you? I tell you, God to heal you. You won't have to be 
run around to all these churches begging all the time. Uh, I'm a Christian. I live for God. God wanted to heal me, would. Caught him out on the highway one time. Said, man, what's your handle? I said, traveling man. He said, that's funny. I'm traveling man too. I said, oh yeah. He said, where are you from? I said, Hutchison. He said, that's funny. I'm from Hutchison too. And the more he talked, the more I knew who he was. I said, I bet you're still out singing for Jesus. Yeah, he said, we're just coming in from liberal. We've been singing for Jesus. Taking up some more offerings. He don't want healed. He'd have to go to work in a factory somewhere. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. But I believe somewhere's out there there is a bum that once healed. Praise God. Amen. Wants God to heal him. God knew it was deep down inside of that old beggar's heart to be a different kind of person and he vexed old Peter and John's heart and spirit and they walked up to him and said, Hey, uh, we think we got something better than silver and gold for you. And four was over with. He was running and leaping in the temple and praising God. He was causing a commotion amongst the Sanhedrin that day that was telling everybody this ain't God. Hallelujah. God goes performing miracles around here, the Church of Christ, and the Baptists will get more upset about it before anybody else. Amen. Hallelujah. They preach things they don't even believe. And when it happens, they're upset about it. Praise God. Now what are you saying here, Brother Elder? I'm saying Peter is in the process of feeding lambs and feeding sheep. And he's just out there trying to do what the Lord's telling him to do. Hallelujah. He's just trying to please the Lord. How many of you want to please the Lord? Praise God. He's out there trying to please the Lord and trying to please the Lord and trying to please the Lord. And the more he tries to please the Lord, the greater things are getting. You say, how do you know? Read Acts of 5th chapter. Acts of 5th chapter and the 12th verse. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Now, I'm talking about building your faith. When these 12 men started out, it seemed like all the time it was a failure. It seemed like all the time they was getting chewed out. Anybody with me? Anybody follow me?
It seemed like Jesus was always telling them, you do everything wrong. You don't never do nothing right. Goodness, it's quiet in here. Maybe you ought to ship me off this morning. But I want to show you the character of these disciples. They didn't quit. They said, if we're not doing it right, we're going to do it right. They loved him so much that when he walked 15 miles a day, they did too. They were exactly like Elisha was his last few days with Elijah. Amen. Elijah told Elisha, said, stay here in Bethel. He said, I'm going to Jericho. <laughs> And oh, Elisha says, you know, he's spiritual. He he washed Elijah's feet for a lot of days. It's a preacher's pet. You know, I just believe that if you start washing my feet, everybody in this church start talking about you. Boy, he's such a preacher's pet. <clears throat> oh, Gerald went and preached for this black bishop up in uh, St. Louis. And he said, man, Brother Elder, you wouldn't believe it. He's just a young preacher boy himself. He said, <laughs> he said, that black bishop's got a maid. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, you ought to see him. Said, said, when he gets through preaching, says, them black boys take him in the back room and take his shirt off of him, and they start bathing him. And they start rubbing him down with this and rubbing him down with that. He said, I ain't never seen said, they don't let that man go nowhere. They get him dressed up and they take him to a limousine, put him in the back seat and take him home. He's a one God apostolic preacher. And I can just see white folks, that's going too far. That's going too far. But there's something about being around the preacher. is when your attitude gets wrong, he just knows how to say a few things your attitude gets straightened out. When your spirit gets wrong, he just knows how to say a few things and your spirit gets right. When you get to thinking about how bad some things are on earth, he gets to ministering in the spirit to let you see things that's way above the earth. And old Elisha, he'd done been around washing that old boy's feet too long. And he was in the spirit with God. And he knew, he, the Bible said he perceived in his spirit the Lord was fixing to take him away. And he said, stay here. He said, I'm going down to Jericho. And he said, no, he said, I'm going with you. And they went down. You've got to understand now, these folks, folks, these places aren't four or five miles apart. They're a long ways apart. I mean, you know, I say, say, Brother Gary, stay here. I'm going to McPherson. Well, how are you going? I'm going to walk. Well, I believe I will. I don't feel like walking to McPherson today, you know. Not Elisha, he said, I'm going on. 
And I don't know whether he spent a night's rest in there or an afternoon soaking his feet or what he did, but he jumped up and he said, Stay here and I'm going on down to another town. And Elisha said, I'm going too. He, he, he done had his feet soaked. He's ready to go. Come on. Hallelujah. And them disciples had figured out Jesus the same way. It don't make no difference where he's going. When we get there, something good's going to happen. It don't make no difference how far it goes. When we get there, it's going to be worth the walk. It's going to be worth the journey. I just wonder how many of you feel like it's worth the journey. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know the story, don't you? Somewhere's in between one of those two towns, Elijah turned around and looked at Elisha and said, What are you following me all over the place for? <laughs> he said, Because uh, I want a double portion of your spirit. Elijah had performed seven major miracles. Bible real close you'll find Elisha performed 14 Elijah said if you see me when I go away you can have it and that was just enough that it don't make no difference if you walk 100 miles a day it don't make no difference if you get up at 3 o'clock in the morning it don't make no difference if we take off at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Wherever you go, and I'm going to be with you. Hallelujah. And them disciples of God, just like that with Jesus. Amen. Praise God. It don't make no difference. Lord, speak, and we'll do it. It don't make no difference. Lord, we'll go. Are you ready to move? All right. Hallelujah. Praise God. I just wonder how many of you want to get to the place to where it speak, Lord, thy servant here. They're not doing everything wrong now. Praise God. Somebody said, how do you get to doing everything right? In Acts, the sixth chapter, you know, I'd say something here, but it hurt the lady's feelings. In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because the women were being neglected in the daily ministration. Always the women ain't being treated right or doing something right. Wished I had them dark glasses at that that uh, whatever he was it worked on my eyes the other day so I couldn't see it so good get a revival spirit going in the church and some goofy thing will happen ain't treating my kids right women care too much about the natural things And Peter said, I can't come down out of heaven to this goofy mess. 
Hello. Said I got to be about the work of God. So he said here, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we, but myself, I got to be about the work of God. He said, Feed the lambs. He said, Feed the sheep. And he said, so I'm going to give myself continue to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Somebody said fasting. Fasting wasn't there. You've got to do fasting. You can't admit it, but it's not there. Don't put it where it's not. Amen. Hallelujah. Praying. There is nothing more beautiful than women that come in to the church and pray and go out of the church to the field of harvest to labor for the Lord. They're the most beautiful women in the world. Walter Hawkins wrote one of the most beautiful songs Pentecostals ever said in the greatest trial of his life. You remember what song it is, Sister Ellen? I've got a long ways to go. Every time he sings it, I nearly cry if I don't. I've got a long ways to go to be like my Lord. Somebody said, uh, what happened to him, Brother Elder, that made him write that song? There were several ladies in the church that went to the church every day to pray and to stay before the Lord and then they went out into the field of harvest to reap souls during the civil rights demonstration of the 60's they burnt Walter Hawkins church down to the ground there was nothing but ashes there is it Elder Hawkins who did I say Oh, no, no, Lord. He ain't even saved. Elder Watkins. <clears throat> and he was standing there with vengeance in his heart. He was standing there with hatred in his soul. He was standing there with his spirit flared up. And several of the ladies walked up to him. And he said, where are you going? They said, into the church and pray. And they walked off into the smoldering ashes and knelt down and began to call upon God. That's when he wrote the song. I've got a long ways to go. Be like my Lord. Wherever you're going to lead me, God, I'm going to go. Hallelujah. I feel like we need to talk to God this morning. We need to pray. If you feel the Lord dealing with you right now, would you speak to the Lord? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. 
Lord, we're asking you to build up our faith, Lord God, in you. We're asking you, Lord, to minister to us this morning by thy spirit and by thy power. Praise you, Almighty God. Praise you, Almighty God. Praise you, Almighty God. Praise you, Almighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Peter said, I don't have time for that stuff. I've got to give myself to prayer. I've got to give myself to the ministering of the Spirit, the ministering of God. I've got to feed the sheep. I've got to feed the lambs. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And by doing so and just striving to reach that place, it said great fear came on all the church and upon all as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. That's the sad, and that is the scary part. you got to be careful about it. Amen. When you're working and God's really working with you, man's going to elevate you. The devil is too. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of women, of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick unto the streets and laid them on the beds and couches that at the least of the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. Now, I want you to understand that by Peter's failures, he obtains a place in Christ of going to not even having enough faith to cast devils out to the place as he walks by in his shadows hit the people that their sickness and their diseases and the demons flee. Because he wouldn't quit. Because he wouldn't give up. Because when even the master himself reached over and reminded him of his failures. I want to tell you something. If you can forget your failures, you can't achieve the ultimate goal. Why you say that, Brother Elder? Because you keep making the same mistakes. have to be constantly aware of your failures. You constantly have to be aware of. That's the reason why Peter wouldn't be dragged down with a bunch of hassling no women arguing over who got more peas than the other one. This one got carrots and I got beets. So well that's not what they were saying. They were saying well, some was getting some, some wasn't getting any. Who knows? It wasn't there. It was a goofy mess to be involved with. And Peter said, no, the Lord didn't call me to hassle and squabble and the wobble. He called me to feed the lambs and to feed the sheep. He called me to do the work of Christ. Too many of us are in this for the wrong thing. Amen. Nobody in here would ever have to worry about a position if they were willing to sell out and serve Christ 
you would get more than you know how to handle. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, in St. John, now I'm going to go to First Peter first. Late. I didn't know it was that late. Wish I could go as fast this time. It's First Peter three thirteen through seventeen. And I hope that you have followed me from the calling of this man's life with Jesus Christ unto his ultimate end with Christ. Which is no end, because I believe Peter is up there and I don't believe he's standing at the gate. Praise God. Likewise, Peter 3.13. First Peter 3.13. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? I can read this like it's the Bible. I can read it like it's a verse. But wisdom buildeth herself a house. And through much studying of the word, you've got to realize 